0: From Washington, I'm David Schultz, and this is Talking Tax. The Government Accountability Office, or GAO, came out with a report this summer on how the IRS audits large partnerships and other pass through entities, and its findings were, well, pretty ugly. There were 20,052 large partnerships out there in 2019. And the IRS audited just 54 of them, according to GAO. If you're doing the math in your head right now, don't worry, I'll do it for you. That's an audit rate of 0.3%. So that's bad. But to the IRS's credit, it's taking pretty significant action to respond to this. Last month, it said it's standing up a special group to focus on scrutinizing partnerships, S-Corps, and others that may be avoiding taxes by passing on profits to their owners. And I should say here that in the interest of full disclosure, my wife works on the GAO division that came out with that report, but she didn't work on the report itself. So on today's episode, we're going to hear about how this special unit will work and whether it will actually work. Mary McNulty is a partner at the firm Holland and Knight, who represents large businesses in IRS audits. She spoke to Bloomberg tax and accounting reporter Caleb Harshberger about how long it may take this new group to get up and running and about why the IRS has been so bad at auditing pass-throughs in the past.
1: The IRS has historically not devoted many resources to auditing partnerships. And beginning around 2013, I'd say, this issue started to attract a lot of attention. And at the time, the solution was to change the audit rules because the procedures were so complex that it was causing the IRS not to audit partnerships because the audit procedures were too complex. So those rules changed. Legislation was passed in 2015. And that was supposed to help audit partnerships and make it simpler. I mean, those rules are also complex, so we'll see how they play out. So it's taken some time to get the IRS agents trained under the new rules to start the audits, So those audits just started really in 2021.
2: Got it. So, so have we started to see the impacts of that yet, or is it still a little too early to tell?
1: We're certainly seeing an uptick in IRS audits. Um, so they are out there auditing, but the uptick hasn't been completely in this area of, you know, really large partnerships. And that's where the IRS is now focusing their resources and the GAO report defines large partnerships as partnerships with $100 million or more in assets and 100 or more total partners. So the audits we've seen haven't all been in that space. I mean, there've been many with less less assets and less partners. So this is a new new focus on these large partnerships.
2: And I know as we've seen this, focus growing in this space. We've seen so many more businesses organizing themselves as partnerships rather than corporations or things like that. I think that was part of that GAO report that um, it was something like 600% increase in large partnerships. It's just crazy.
1: 600%. Yeah, 600% from 2002 to 2019.
2: Do we know why that is? Was that a, a corporate tax rate thing? Was that just a flexibility thing?
1: Uh, those were the two factors that the GAO report cited. I mean, I would also say that state laws changed and the state laws that govern business entities and cause more businesses to want to choose to be a flow through entity for state law purposes. I mean, that started really in the 1990s, and then Treasury implemented regulations called the check the box regulations that allow businesses to choose how they are taxed so that the default for unincorporated business entities with at least two members is a, is a partnership. So I think that that also ha- is driving those businesses to organize as partnerships for tax purposes.
2: And, and as the IRS is putting this unit together, I know they just announced it, um, so it's too early to tell exactly what's going on, but what do they need to do for this to be successful?
1: They need to hire agents. Uh, they recently came out and said that they were going to hire 3,700 across the nation in 250 locations um, to conduct these audits. And you know, they don't just have to, to hire them. They have to train the audits. Partnerships is a very complex area of the tax law. Tax practitioners, especially those who practice in the partnership area, like to refer to the partnership tax provisions as the most complex area of the tax law. And that's on the substance of the tax law. They also have to be trained on these, you know, the new partnership audit rules also. So there's a lot of a lot of new things here that the agents need to get up to speed on.
2: Have they given us a, a timeline or anything on how long they think this will all take?
1: Oh, it's going to take years. <laughs> I mean, they've said that the work group will formally start late next year. But in the meantime they are they are issuing notices um so they're not just going to wait they're not going to sit by and wait they are issuing notices to partnerships that have more than 10 billion dollars in assets that's part of the large partnership compliance program that was started in 2021 so they want to open audits of 75 of the largest partnerships in the united states and they want to focus on hedge funds real estate investment partnerships, and publicly traded partnerships that average $10 billion in assets. So that's one area where we're going to start seeing um, IRS audit notices. But a second area is for smaller partnerships, still large, but these are partnerships with $10 million, not $10 billion, but $10 million in assets that have balance sheet discrepancies.
2: And especially when we're talking about these, these really big companies, it seems like retention at a certain point becomes a, a, a challenge where you're training these folks in a really specific part of the law that is super in demand from these giant companies who I'm sure would love to hire some IRS experts um in this area. Do we get a sense of what that challenge is like, how the agency can sort of try to hold on to these folks when they've hired and trained them?
1: Yeah, I mean if you look at the notice IRS is put out their their hiring notice. I mean, they tout lifestyle, vacation, just the collegiality of the IRS. There are differences and different pressures in the government versus in private practice.
2: And once this thing's up and running, um, do we get a sense that this will really solve a lot of the issues that the agency's having with partnerships? Or are there other things that that need to be done as well, um, kind of in tandem with this?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question because some practitioners think that the tax laws need to be changed because they're too complex. My view is IRS First needs to start auditing and identifying any areas of non-compliance. And if there are widespread issues, then seek legislation to make changes. But I think that right now there's I mean, the laws are there, Congress has enacted the laws, it's just the IRS needs to conduct these audits and seeing if the laws are being followed or not.
2: Yeah. Sort of like we don't really even have the data to know where the the issues are. We need to, to kind of put it to the test before we can figure that out.
1: Right. And the IRS is using tools like um, artificial intelligence, AI technology to try to identify areas of non-compliance but a machine can only do so much and the IRS really needs to get in there and see if what the machine technology is telling them is accurate.
2: The, the folks that like to see legislative fixes and things like that, even though we really haven't seen this stuff put to the test, ha- have folks proposed legislation? Are there bills out there currently to, to change this? Or is that more of a conversation that really hasn't come out like that yet?
1: There have been various um, simplification proposals put forward. They really haven't gone anywhere. You know some some commentators think there really isn't a kind of a constituency that wants to push simplification in the partnership area. i don't know I don't know how that will play out i think it'll I think it'll take some hard numbers based on these audits to see if the legislation is really needed.
2: Yeah. And I think that was part of the JO report, too, that I think it was 80 percent of flagged cases to audit weren't even coming up with any noncompliance. It seemed like a lot of their models and tools they were using currently aren't aren't quite up to the task.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, to can devote the resources to an audit and then have a no change at the end of it and eighty percent of cases is just not an efficient use of the IRS's resources.
2: And and do we get a sense of what this challenge has meant? Um, maybe the impact of that on the agency's ability to to collect revenue, or as I'm thinking, they say there's these issues that that this this problem of not understanding partnerships or not having the resources to enforce these rules is an issue. Do we get a sense of? I guess any way to sort of measure what that impact has been?
1: I don't know. I mean partnerships there is reporting. You have to the partnership has to issue a K one to the partners and then the IRS can match the K ones with the individual's tax returns to see if they're being the information's being reported accurately. So it's unlike other areas of the tax law where the reporting is lacking and so that's a bigger contributor to the tax gap, I believe.
2: And with this announcement being done, with things in the works and moving forward, what are your expectations for the the months and years to come?
1: Yeah, I wish I had a magic ball. Um, I foresee a continued increase in the partnership audits, unless I mean the wild card here is is funding. So if Congress continues to cut the 80 billion of additional funding to the IRS and you know reduces the resources again to the to low levels and the IRS will lack the resources to carry out this this strategic initiative, so time will tell.
2: And once this thing's up and running and, and hopefully the IRS is able to, to do the enforcement that they want to do to understand these laws the way they want to, do you think this will impact companies' decisions on whether or not to use the sort of partnership model in the future?
1: I don't think audit rates play into the choice of entity. I mean, there's a lot of flexibility afforded in a partnership tax structure, and I think that is driving you know, decisions much more than, is this a way that I can fly under the radar and not be audited? I mean, I, I personally don't think that that's what's driving the choice of um, entity
0: decision. That was Mary McNulty, a partner at Holland and Knight, speaking with reporter Caleb Harshberger. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up to the minute news and the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax is produced by myself, David Schultz. Naomi Jagoda is our editor from Washington. I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. In a global tax landscape that changes by the day, it's what you don't know that can leave you exposed. At Bloomberg Tax, we provide market-leading intelligence and practical applications to help tax professionals work smarter, faster, and more accurately. Our solutions provide the insights you need for game-changing outcomes. To revolutionize your performance in real time, the difference is Bloomberg Tax. Learn more at pro.bloombergtax.com.